morning. Faith FM. You are listening right across Australia on 87.6, 87.8 or 88 on the Faith FM network. And you are joined this, this morning by the double L team, Lawson and... Lyle! <laughs> Lyle, what are you grateful for this morning? I am grateful for the opportunity to be able to travel across other LGAs because I'm doing a bit of a road trip today. going to be oh, awesome. going here and there and everywhere else. Yeah, what for? Just- I've got to pick a bunch of stuff up. I've got to drop a bunch of stuff off. I've been able to coordinate it all into one day. I've got That's six. Classic. I've got six stops that I'm making today. Oh, you're doing the Facebook I'm, Marketplace World Tour. I'm, is I'm that doing what it the is? Uh, the post lockdown. Um, get a bunch of things done that needed to be done. Ah, okay. For a very long time. Awesome. Yeah, dude, that's legendary. So, Absolutely. And so, is this just like all around Newcastle? No, first stop is in Newcastle, but then I've got stops all the way as far as Katoomba and back. That's far as man. You're really making a day of it. Yeah, that I sounds am. fun as. I think I'll be getting home late, but anyway, <laughs> it's going to be amazing. That is amazing. Got people to see, people to give things to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Dude, that's lit. People to get things from. Well, that's amazing. And I'm really I'm really happy that you're able to go outside. <laughs> <laughs> Finally. Uh, of course we've still got to, you know, wear masks and all that kind of stuff. You totally. Know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Mm, mm. Honestly, I like it. I uh, you, you do? So no, this is this is, so I've been working in a kitchen the last two days. Yes. And wearing a mask in the kitchen is actually good. I feel safe. I'm like, why? Why weren't we doing this the whole time? Right. I'm like, d- d- you know, you feel you, safe. Do I you, feel safe. Do you feel do, comfortable with people breathing on your food? No, but if I'm working in the kitchen, I don't care because I'm not eating that food. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, but Lyle, that that means you're the that's problem. Kind of the point, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Now that's an interesting thought. Maybe they should keep masks for kitchen workers. I think so, honestly. I, I've, yeah, because they have I've for hospitals. Oh, the kitchen worker's going to hate me. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. What's happening in positively different news, Lawson? Okay, so I've got a bit of an animal theme on oh, cool. positively different news this morning. And the we first our, one... Our, our yearly fluff and... Fluff? fluff no, and this feathers. is science stuff. Oh, like, science stuff. Yeah, this is like... I love animal science news like sciencey stuff about I animals like, I like fluffy warm animals but I've also actually I got a fluffy story coming up after this one go. so basically ah, that time dude this is wild two like for the first time for some reason two female condors have basically got feathers not fluff who have feathers um they have um given birth you know, they've laid an egg through partha and, and that egg hatched mm-hmm. with things coming out of it through things. parthenogenesis, which essentially means through virgin birth. Okay. So they've reproduced completely asexually. Right. And the egg is a fertile egg, we're y- yeah. assuming. So they have chickens that came out of it or chicks. Yeah. But right. without being fertilized, without a mate. So scientists uh, were kind of scrambling because they have 467 um, males, and they were like, "Wait, how did this? Ha- these these two these condors weren't in the same location as these condors." So they tested every single one of the males, and none of them are the father. Okay. And these two condors have given birth, and so the San Diego Zoo, the breeding program, has has ruled it a virgin birth. 
Yeah, but where is the, the? I mean, obviously, you can't have a birth without a male. What's 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 happening here? So the this is actually isn't something this that is artificial completely insemination. no. Uh, this isn't something that is completely rare. Um, well, it is very rare, but it's not something that is impossible. Their their basic theory is because actually this has happened in turkeys before, uh, and in sharks and rays and snakes and lizards and a, and a whole bunch of animals. Apparently. My mind is my mind is bending right now. Um, but essentially, what I don't know fish do this. What happens is that a cell from the mother's body somehow, you know, gets into the egg and fertilizes it. And rather than like the egg, like stopping develop, like stopping development because it's not fertilized, it just continues to develop with cells from only the mother's body. It's wild Which stuff. is insane. Like, I had no idea that this is scientifically possible. But, yeah, they're ruling that that's what happened. They've I done all the to, tests. I fish, some fish do that routinely. That's just how some fish reproduce. Yeah, they're that's like, right. Well, now I'm a female and I lay eggs. Now I'm a male but and I lay sperm. Snail. It's like there's plenty of asexual animals, but yes. a condor is definitely not one of them. It lays eggs that are fertilized by a male. So this is actually a thing. It's a thing. This happened. Like the happened. San Diego Zoo, you know, they're, they're like uh, Oliver Ryder, who's the, the director of the conservation genetics, and he's a pretty legit guy. He's got a PhD. He's, you know, this isn't a bunch of randoms saying, oh, oh, wow, you know, this isn't someone who's got a condor in their backyard saying it gave birth, you know, had a virgin birth. Like, they're like, no, like, it, this is just hit us in the face out of nowhere, randomly our two, you know, condor females. Um, these two condor, condor females have given birth, and that's a crazy thing that it's two of them, um, have given birth, you know, without being inseminated by anything. So, uh, I guess <laughs> if, if, the, I don't know if this is going to start some kind of new trend in the science world, if they're going to, people are going to read the story and think, Oh, maybe this will lead to some new research that will do some kind of thing. But yeah, wild stuff. Also at the same time, dude, Oh, some news. Come, okay. This is a bit of a fluffy story. Um, some news come out of Spain this morning out of specifically, um, Madrid, which is a place that I used to live in, uh, for a year. And I just got to say this, like, before I read this story, Spain is the most, like, it's like a first world country, but then it's just like super hillbilly. I don't know how to describe it. Like, it's super, <laughs> like, only in Spain could this next story happen. And, and because it's a culture where, like, for example, when you get to particularly August, like the middle month of summer yes. for them, they just shut down everything. Like, it's like that. It's like, why work when it's hot? Why work? That's right. Like, it's the kind of country where, you know, deadlines and money, obviously that matters the rest of the year, but they're really just happy to go, oh, let's just take a break or let's just shut down a city or a town or whatever. Like, yeah, I love these countries also where everything shuts down, shuts down after lunch and then opens up again, you know, yeah. later in the evening because it's like, it's hot. Why would you work? That's right. They just, it's time for a siesta. That's right. They just have this attitude of have like, oh, I guess money doesn't matter at the moment. Like, oh, so we'll shut down our capital city. And that's exactly what has happened when they've sh- basically shut down Madrid um, for the migration of sheep. <laughs> okay. So, so they've okay. Sh- like Madrid so is- not fluffy, but definitely woolly. Which woolly, is going from feathers right. to wool. All right. Feathers yep. to wool. So mm-hmm. Madrid, again, like I lived in Madrid. It is the capital of Spain. It is their business capital. It is like where, like, you know, if you go to Barcelona, that's the other place where they consider like kind of a capital. That's their tourist city, which I would understand more if this was happening. But M- Madrid is right in the middle of Spain strategically. It's it- like Spain, Sydney. Yeah, it, it like it's the it's, money center. It is the money center of Spain, 
And they're just like, oh, well, we're just going to shut down all the roads so that we can have a migration of sheep. So is this shepherds who are running their sheep yep. too? So a bunch of shepherds. So, they're, so they're, like, not, they're not throwing them on trucks? Nope. They're walking them through? They're walking them through the city. That's wild. That is amazing. Like, incredible. I want to see that. So, yeah. Well, there's actually a video online that you can go and check out if you look up, you know, uh, Spain, Madrid, sheep migration 2021. That'd be a great tourist attraction. I'd go there, just take photos and just experience it. And I'd get out there amongst the sheep and... I I guess it's the kind of like, it's the the peaceful counter to the running of the bulls. (laughs) So, (laughs) yeah, if you don't want to get like smoked by a bull in Pamplona, then you can just go to Madrid and... And And wander a man amongst sheep as they walk past. It's so cool. Bye, Chief. Well, it was actually, um, it was cancelled last year because of COVID, which kind of doesn't make any sense because then the roads would be open. That's what I would imagine. Like, that's the thing. It's just like, oh, yeah, this is a tourist attraction. We just shut down the whole city to migrate. Catch COVID, don't they? Uh, no. Uh, but anyways. Are you sure about that? I think sheep catch COVID. But yeah, it's just like, so this year it's the, the reinstating of this festival. People are gathering around. They've shut down the city and they're just all watching sheep walk through. I'm like, good, good, dude, good for them. Anyways. Oh, and my final story. Okay. This story is good news because of the fact that it's being reported. That, that's it. Other than that, it's kind of really bad news, but. I, let me let me tell you about this real quick. Okay, this is this is important, Lyle. This is <laughs> this is important. Listen to me because this is about cryptocurrency, and this this I, I like. So a lot of people are getting into crypto at the moment as a form of day trading. They see it like the stock market because mm-hmm. new cryptos are being made every single day, and people are buying in and selling out with the ho- with the rich uh, with the with the hopes of getting big. You so, know? so we had this discussion the other day, yeah, isn't it, it, myself and a couple of mates about you know the the, the best safe investments because mm. crypto is supposed to be the safe haven because it's not government controlled and it's kind of like um, <clears throat> in the same category as say gold or real estate. Mm. And, uh, you know, and so with COVID happening, a lot of people gone to safe havens and so that, you know, pushed crypto up. Uh, gold is now starting to catch up. But the one that has done the best in, here in Australia, at least, has been dirt. Yeah. Wait, in terms of people investing in dirt? Yeah. Dirt's done better than anything else. <laughs> That's also Well, this is the thing, though. Like, Real estate. Is because the, the problem is, is that crypto, unlike the stock market and unlike maybe gold trade, I don't really know how that works, but it's completely unregulated. That's right. And what happens when it, and, and so people are like, yeah, it's a good thing. It's decentralized. But what happens when it's unregulated is stories like this following one. So, um, a crypto's come out calling itself Squid. And the reason it's called itself Squid, it's because it's attached itself to the biggest name in media at the moment, Squid Game, which is this Korean show that everyone watched. Uh, and so a lot of people, People were like, oh, that's really cool and, and bought in because they thought it was like some kind of official Netflix cryptocurrency that was named after Squid Game. All these people bought in. Yes. And, you know. And Squid they, made a lot of money. Squid made a lot of money. It went from like one cent to like $2,000. It had a pretty low market cap. So that doesn't mean someone made like a billion dollars because they bought like 10 billion. You know, they, they had a low amount of coins so they could push the price up. Anyway, so th- this is what they've done. A lot of people have bought in. A lot of influencers have gotten on board, paid by the owners of, the, of this crypto. And they've gone, oh, yeah, uh, promote it, promote it, hyped it up. Um and then overnight, the owners of the coin dumped all of their uh, 
coins onto the market and plummeted the price of the stock by 99.99% and people lost millions and millions and millions of dollars. Oh, and so this ouch. is bad news. This okay? is bad this, news. This is not positively different news. This is not positively different news. news. But I love the fact that this is being reported because this is happening all the time. Don't listen to people on Twitter or Facebook or Instagram who this are is, promising is, you. This is Lawson's personal war against crypto. It is. It is. It is. Uh, just like, yeah. He doesn't like crypto. It, I don't like cats. This is know. such a scam, bro. Yeah. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM, positively different. Let's go do some more serious news. And in Victoria, they've just passed, quietly passed a piece of legislation through the lower house uh, to legalise uh, prostitution. So this is this is Victoria. So let's Jeez. talk about Victoria for a moment. Victoria is the land where prayers of certain types have been banned, mm-hmm. regardless of whether you were in Victoria or not. They will extradite you out of New South Wales or the Northern Territory or the far reaches of Cape York if they have to, um, to be to to be sent to jail for praying the wrong kind of prayer. Uh, this is Victoria, the longest lockdowns on the planet. This is Victoria where, you, where they force, they are in the process of forcing um, faith-based organizations, you know, churches, schools, etc., to employ non-believers mm. to run those uh, institutions. This is Victoria where they provide no choice for LGBT plus people because if those kind of people decide they want to change, well, sorry, you're not allowed to. That's mm. that's against the law, um, and so there's no choice for them. This is the this is Victoria, the land of totalitarian pandemic laws like our world has never seen before. Okay, so why would they legalize prostitution? Well, the answer is that they have not legalized prostitution to make it safer. Mm. Okay, so you know if they did something in the interest of safety, then that would be something that you know we could actually stop and look at. And all right, is this a step in the right direction? No, they've legalized it to make prostitutes feel better. Oh, because they feel bad and there's stigmatism and so forth. And so, well, if we legalize it, they won't feel bad about being prostitutes. The problem is that uh, prostitution is basically, uh, well, now in Victoria, the legalized abuse of women. Mm. And it is a hotbed of. Uh, organized crime, uh, trafficking of women. Dude, totally. Like every awful thing that you can think about. All right, so let's look at the new legislation and let's see uh, how how it goes about removing the stigmatization of prostitutions, prostitutes and also people who are buying their services. Oof. So it's not just legalizing uh, prostitution, but it's, sorry, sorry, it's not just removing the stigmatization of prostitution, but also of those who, who are buying their services. Okay, so first of all, it removes the requirement of safe sex practices because that safe sex, safe, safe sex practices assumes that uh, prostitutes have a higher level of STDs and STIs and that is stigmatization and we can't have that because that is, um, that is you know, is you know everybody has to be on an equal footing. Secondly, it abolishes mandatory testing for STDs and STIs, uh, sexually transmitted diseases and infections, because that's discriminatory. 
We don't do that kind of testing for any other job, so why would we have it for people who are working in this particular industry? That's just discriminatory, and that's you know, you're assuming that these people are going to have a a higher risk of having these particular diseases. This honestly, a lot like people can't see my face right now because we're on live, uh, we're on radio, but this this is hurting me to listen to. I okay. Of course it's hurting you to listen to, and it should be hurting everybody to listen to because this is absolutely the worst anti-woman legislation I have ever heard. Yeah. Well, at least it's up there with the most anti-woman legislation <laughs> I've ever heard anyway. Okay, so it legalizes street-based sex work, and we have seen that you know, the reason that this has been outlawed in so many parts of Australia and the world is because it is so incredibly dangerous. Mm. This is a dangerous practice. Um, and finally, it prohibits property owners from refusing to rent their premises to pimps who want to use it. To that is okay. Because the pimps might feel bad that they're being discriminated against. That, oh, that is so... So this whole legislation so has nothing bad. to do with safety. It's all about people's feelings. They also, this person might feel bad. They might feel discriminated against in some way. Wait, wait, wait. <laughs> Wait, go back to that last one. So you, so you have to rent. So- if you're a property owner and a pimp comes to you and says, yeah, I want to rent this premises to run a brothel out of it, you're forced to do so. Wait, but... And if you, you say, no, you can- I, don't want, I don't want my premises used for that, then uh, you're up for, for discrimination. But, but you can just say no to people renting your property because you don't want to, right? You just don't want to rent it to them. Yes, but if they if they can build a case that you were refused that that they were refused because of the type of uh, industry that they wanted to operate there, then you're done. Because that's the thing. Like I I I wouldn't rent it to them because I don't think prostitution is right. And that's like- exactly the point. Because you're discriminating now, and they're going to feel discriminated against, and they're going to feel bad. And because they're going to feel bad, then you're going to be, you know, sent to jail. So, so basically, what you're telling me, what I'm hearing right now, is that they are legally protecting one of the most destructive, not just morally, but from a legal standpoint, like that was previously so illegal, so filled with crime, so filled with abuse, so filled with like all these different problems. And then you can talk about the morality of, you know, sex before marriage and prostitution. Yeah, all of that. On top of of that, 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 that's an extra thing that I feel as a Christian. But but before you get to that point, all of these things that are currently illegal – you're now protecting that industry. This is this is this is legislation that is made by men for men. It's dude. It's made that's by what this legislation pervs is for pervs. Like, <laughs> this is disgusting. Like, that's actually terrible. Uh, this is Victoria. This is this is why the the population of Melbourne just plummeted by forty three. What was it forty three thousand? Forty three thousand. Yeah, 43,500 40, 43, people we just heard on the radio this morning <laughs> in, in, uh, in the, in the it's news no section. No wonder everybody's leaving the place. You want some cheap real estate. Oh, yikes. Okay, so what's it going to result in? It's going to result in, a, in an absolute explosion in human, in human trafficking. Yeah. We know that. We've known that for hundreds of years now. <laughs> uh, the Queens, Queensland Crimes and Misconduct Survey of sex workers found that the majority of sex workers want out. Yes. And that 25% of clients are abusive. So 25% of encounters, these women are abused. So that's one in four. Totally. It's like, it's like. It's you don't need to be a rocket. Slavery, you don't dude. need to be a rocket science to figure out this kind of stuff. That is 
That is disgusting. The Queensland Crimes and Misconduct Survey recognised three areas that needed addressing in uh, sex among sex workers, uh, drug treatment, housing and training, because basically the people who were involved in this industry, uh, the vast majority, did not want to be involved in it, but they were involved in it because they felt that they had no other options. And, of course, you know, we encourage people to look at the Scandinavian model. That's been going just absolutely fantastically, which has looked at sex workers as being victims and as their, uh, as pimps and buyers as being abusers. Mm. And it goes after the pimps, it goes after the buyers um, and creates comprehensive exit programs for people who are in uh, sex work and it has absolutely Gone incredibly well. It is. Yeah. It is the. It is the world standard. They have the gold standard on dealing with this particular issue. Totally. I think the the interest, like the, the main point in my head at least, is that this isn't about. It just from my perspective, this isn't about me being a Christian and disagreeing with the morality of prostitution, yeah, no. which is which is something yes, Any I do agree person with. Should be horrified. But at this. this is this is just this is again, as you said, like you are legislating the abuse and the degradation of women. This is the most anti-woman legislation I've, I've, I've come across in a very long time, if not forever. <sighs> anyway, this is an interesting one. In Bookings, Oregon, they've just passed a law that states that a church can give homeless people no more than two meals a week. What? Yes, the government is providing enough for homeless people and these homeless people don't need aid uh, because the government provides plenty enough aid and so... You are now limited, if you're a church, two meals a week. That's all you're allowed to provide. It's kind of weird, eh? Uh, there's some really strange things that go on in our <laughs> world, um, and that is one of them. kind of makes you scratch your head and wonder where our world is going. It's a pretty bizarre place these days. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM, positively different. Joining us on the phone right now is David Haupt. David, welcome to the show. Good morning, gentlemen. Good morning to your listeners. David, I understand that we're talking about an interesting subject. This kind of uh, this one's a little bit interesting for me. Lack of motivation because sometimes, you know, I will finish the radio show, I will head home, and there will be a long list of things that I need to get done that day, and I just don't feel like doing them. What's going on there? Is this a mental disorder that um, that I have that I need to work on? Well, there's maybe sometimes that you need to take annual leave as well, remember? Uh, <laughs> yeah. so, Oops. So overwork sometimes do get us to the point where we need a break. And uh, the list of our wives now for us, uh, I'm still on annual leave, finishing up at the end of this week. And, uh, man, I'm only halfway through the list that my wife had waiting for me. Um, but... But there are some certain conditions that actually can indicate a mental health issue. But before we go there, let me just say that um, the lack of motivation can affect our mental uh, health as well. In other words, uh, long periods of, you know, that we don't have any motivation can actually lead to thoughts of suicidality and sometimes acting on it. A persistent lack of motivation is characteristic of symptoms of depression. Also, depression can worsen when a person experiences uh, a reduced desire uh, you know, to complete certain tasks and can lead to anxiety. There are, though, other areas which are more serious, and that is uh, 
symptoms of clinical depression we've already mentioned, but ovulation, which is in actual fact a condition of reduced motivation over a long period of time, which is an indication of uh, the potential of schizophrenia. But what they have discovered is a motivational syndrome is in actual fact a in other words, this is where poor memory, concentration, uh, and a lack of motivation is part of a person's life. Is that in the 1960s, they discovered that people with a long history of cannabis use, we also now know today people that are using methamphetamines will also experience that. But there's a more common way. And I so often work with people, uh, parents ring me in and saying, can you, David, can you please help us? Uh, my child is just not motivated. But when you start to explore it, you actually find that uh, that child has grown up in an environment where either there's been major criticism or uh, no the, the lack of motivation even in the parents' lives. In other words, uh, the environment in which they live and have grown up in is one where there is no ambition, no drive, you know, and no responsibilities given to children. So there's a whole range of reasons why people can uh, fall into this. But what is very interesting is that the lack of, for instance, ambition, all of us will from time to time experience that. Uh, I have worked hard and I've come to the point where my annual leave starts and I just don't want to do anything. But normally, uh, if you're a person that is self-driven, um, you will actually, after periods of rest, actually regain your motivation and start uh, doing things again. Right. So just one of the things, a couple of things that sort of popped into my mind as you were looking at, you know, particularly with some young people that, you know, you're called to counsel on that are lacking in motivation. You mentioned something here um, that jumped out to me that a lot of these young people had not been given responsibilities. Now, before you mentioned that, one of the things that I was, that sort of goes through my mind is, you know, the young people who live their life in front of a uh, computer screen with uh, a joystick or an Xbox or whatever just and the only thing that they ever do is play computer games, just sit sit in a dark room playing computer games their entire life and so have this, you know, this whole uh, computer game screen addiction. Do those two things go hand in hand, parents not giving them responsibilities and then becoming addicted to screens? That's my first question. And my second question is similar to it. Is there a difference between... Um, the in, in the kind of recreation that children pursue as far as their motivation goes. So, for instance, would a a child who plays computer games be less motivated than some than a child who plays football? Um, so, yeah, I'm just wondering whether you can comment on on those two aspects. It's interesting how that the brain is stimulated in those two scenarios that you are mentioning. When a child is busy, uh, you know, climbing trees, playing football, uh, helping to create a garden outside, there is a brain muscle coordination that constantly is taking place and where the child is stimulated creatively. And that actually inspires the uh, ambition to to have more and, and, and to see more happening versus a child that's sitting in front of a computer screen. Um, 
is, is constantly, the brain is also stimulated, but only in one sphere. And uh, there is rather an apathy that starts to be generated through that. And you will find that those young people are less motivated, less able to, to be creative uh, the longer they spend time in front of that computer screen. One of the best gifts that a parent can give a child is an actual fact, take them outside into the garden, helping them to play around. Uh, I advise parents to actually limit the screen time that they give. And there's a lot of research I recall when I was doing my master's studies, my lecturer walking in one night and asking us as a class, now we're a random group of people, uh, you know, studying together. And uh, he asked the question, he said, how much time can or should a six-year-old child have screen time? And it went through the class, allowing each one of us to give a, a response. And eventually we said to him, give us your response. He said zero, zilt, no time, because it will have a lasting impact on that child's life. And I was not studying at the Christian University. Mm. I was studying at a, um, a, a worldly university where the Christian influence was actually frowned upon, and they recognized the damage that is done to the child's brain, affecting them permanently because of screen time. So this is not just some um, weird Christian bias against screen time. You know, um, I think as Christians, we uh, we all use screens all the time. We all have screen time. It's a part of our lives. Christians don't have a bias against screen time. This is just uh, this is just secular research that is out there that shows that this is damaging for children. Exactly, and we use. And I would recommend that the screen time that we use needs to be functional. There's a motivation. There's a reason why why these these either doing homework or research that's been done. Uh, in other words, there's creativity that is happening, and the brain is active, is not passively uh, being placed into a, a form of hypnotized state while just doing, you know, gaming and, and so forth, because that is the part that is damaging the brain. I remember, I remember back, back in the day I had an interesting conversation with um, a driving instructor, and this was at the point where my boys were, you know, getting their, their licenses, and so before they went for their driving test, they did a couple of laps around the uh, the block for a couple of days with the driving instructor just to um, to learn how to pass the test and so forth. But we had an interesting conversation. Was, he was an interesting guy to talk to, and one of the things that he was telling me was that, you know, the majority of, of, of parents will come to him and say, look, we want you to teach our kid to drive, and we want them to learn on a manual. And his reply would always be, do they play computer games? And if they said yeah. yes to playing computer games, he would say, no, they have to learn on an automatic. If they said no to computer games, they play football, he would say yes to starting on the manual. And that was just something that he'd learned anecdotally over the years. If they're a, if they're a gamer, don't give them a manual because they'll never be able to control it. Because the person that is playing games are outside, but they're climbing trees and playing football has the ability to actually multitask and use their brain and their muscles in a far different way than those that are in, in a game. And there's some research today looking at ADD, ADHD research. Now, there's no conclusive evidence out yet, but some people are reckoning that kids actually that were allowed still to climb trees 
and had to balance themselves while using the muscles to, to move forward or move backwards had uh, a far greater chance of not falling into ADD, ADHD uh, than those that actually sat in, in front of computer screens. Now, I want to reiterate again, no evidence out yet. The research still continues. But um, it is interesting that there are more and more of those thought patterns taking place. So one of the best gifts that a parent actually can give their child is to spend time each day with a child out in nature, in the garden, get a veggie patch during lockdowns, uh, create a veggie patch outside in your garden and show the child the miracle of how a seed covered in the soil eventually starts to grow and nurturing that plant and seed eventually producing uh, fruit or, or, or seed and uh, that child, by digging the garden, being involved, getting their hands dirty, will have a far greater mental health outcome than putting them in front of the TV screen or in front of the Xbox. Yeah, I mean, we had the benefit of living on a little bit of land when uh, our kids were growing up, which was fantastic. But we had basically had a, uh, a house rule that if it wasn't raining, uh, you had to be outside. Uh, it was as simple as that. If it was raining, then you could be inside and play with Legos. Um, and that kept the Lego special for rainy days and so forth. And, you know, it, it was something that, uh, that worked well with our kids. And that was the way that, you know, I raised my kids that way because that was how I grew up. Um, but, yeah. you know, I mean, part of the challenge, of course, is you've got some parents who are raising their children in apartments and or, or places where there is a very, very small, you know, these days houses, uh, our Macca's mansions have a yard about the size of half of a postage stamp. Um, what are some options for parents who are raising children in those kinds of environments? Well, it's very interesting because it also is very much important for us now as we are under lockdown. How do we deal with you know the, the inability to move around and uh, especially for people in apartment buildings by looking out for the needs of other people is one of the the mm. best ways of of developing motivation. In other words, I can match it by using a phone, reach out to other people, by teaching our kids to start to care for the old lady down the block. You don't always need to walk down there to the block to go and see if the lady is okay. But having that conversation, it's interesting research that we've done with helping old people stay mentally more healthy in retirement village was linking a, a preschool the kids with a retirement village and having the old and the young mixed time together and to see the impact, mental health for both parties, both the you know, kid at preschool versus the older person in the retirement village, giving them new lease of life. That is just one very practical way of helping kids really stay connected and as well as stay motivated and having a look beyond themselves. What happens when we just insulinly living, looking at ourselves is that mental disorder start. 
Yes, and I think we we did, you know lockdowns are starting to come to an end now, but we don't know what the future holds. You know, a new strain could come out tomorrow, and we could go back into them. Um, let's not start thinking about that, but there is that possibility. And I think you know one of the one of the great opportunities that we've got is uh, to you know during lockdowns is that a lot of the volunteering opportunities for doing good things in the community they don't close down. And it, um, it it gives a, a great opportunity there. David, thank you so much for joining us here on The Breakfast Show this morning. We always appreciate what you've got to share and, and particularly talking about uh, motivation. Thanks for being a part of the Faith FM family. Join our community on Facebook or get in touch at 1-800-FAITH-FM.